0: Hi, and welcome to the East German Fashion History Podcast's second installment of Das Ist Punk, where we'll be exploring punk and, more specifically, the fashion underground of the GDR. Now, as a side note, if you'd like a more in-depth history specifically on the East German punk scene, I would definitely check out Tim Moore's book, Burning Down the House, house is spelled H-A-U-S, And also the Radio GDR's episode 38 Things I Learned About East Germany from reading Burning Down the House from um, their September 2019 in their archives. And just for all of y'all that have never listened, I would highly recommend Radio GDR on all things about the history of the German Democratic Republic. It's one of the few podcasts out there that's English speaking on this topic. Besides this one. Just for some housekeeping, show notes for this week's episode will be up by December 1st in the episode link descriptions. Also, apologies about last week for those of you who weren't able to listen to Schleimkeim mit der Knüppel in der Hand. You can find a link to this song in this week's link description. And stay tuned for December where we'll have our final two episodes of season two and that's going to all focus on denim, the GDR and the legal drama with Levi's. Now last week we talked about the GDR's thriving DIY home sewing culture and you could make a very decent living sewing and selling clothes on the black market. As Sabine von Oettingen, the founder of CCD, Schick, Charmant, and Dauerhaft, or Chic, Charming, and Durable, commented, and this was the CCD was a subcultural fashion collective that would stage underground theatrical performances, she said that, quote, Prosecco, gas, and a good mood could be paid for. We sewed everything that we could, even harness bags. She goes on to say that leather was a major cult trend, that, quote, for the non-conforming intellectual, leather fashion was booming. Even the CCD crew started with everything from jackets to pants and coats out of leather, the materials that they could get directly sourced from the producer. And of course, and I'd mentioned this last week, because... Many of the people from the CCD work day jobs in the fashion and textile industries. They had easy access to these materials and fabrics and fabrications, and they would make a lot of these clothes and accessories, either sell them, under, sell them on the black market or sell them to friends and affiliates von Oettingen, who we spoke about last week, began her career in 1970 as a cashier's assistant as well as a costumer for the Berliner Ensemble for the Pantomime Theater in Prenzlauer Berg of East Berlin. Besides also being a costume and stage designer, she would produce these elaborate photo spreads and projects. Robert Paris, son of the photographer Helga Paris, whose living room... Ettingen would use as a studio remarked that because she couldn't actually live through her freedoms and aspirations, she would stage them through performances and photographs. And we're going to see this theme reoccur on this week's episode. In 1983, she founded the label collective CCD, Schick, und Dauerhaft. By 1984, they threw their unofficially official first fashion show in the Ostbahnhof in East Berlin. This was a catalyst for the collective as it became a vehicle for self-expression and a way of life. Their existence and lifestyle was also evidenced by the increasingly anarchic appearance and mood of Prenzlauer back in the mid to late 80s in Germany, East Germany. Their existence was a form of resistance, and they would use unconventional materials for a lot of the clothes and samples they would make. Everything from the plastic employed by farmers to cover strawberry fields to even hospital bags— used to hold organs so from their radical fabrications to silhouettes and styling these were clearly ensembles that were costumey and definitely works of art four years later uh, the ccd would held a three-day fashion event with 80 models in the house of young talents and the punk band punko had also performed there out of this came the label Rao. and Rao. it's spelled A-L-L-E-R-L-E-I-R-A-U-H Um, that name is taken from a Grimm's fairy tale called All Kinds of Fur. This was another breakthrough of a countercultural movement, their deep desire for personal freedom individuality and the need to look and feel different was really the core of their mission. Now, side note, you can actually see their original collection, which is housed in the German History Museum, as it was dubbed sort of a German cultural artifact. So if you have a chance or if you're living in Germany, um, to go to the Deutsches Museum, the German History Museum, you can probably find it there or you can definitely find it, I would say like in their in their archives. There were also other collectives. Not only was it a la Lairau and CCD, there was also Omelette Surprise or Omelette Surprise and Stadtgespräch or City Gossip. But ultimately, what all of these underground group groups had in common was this was really a creative outlet that addressed issues such as sexuality, vulnerability, moti- and motifs such as empty street canyons and gray houses portrayed in a surreal effect was one one such a motif you would find themes like the designer did the desire for the human body color and play and performing as a feeling of freedom taboos were broken coming outs were celebrated this underground movement and this style of art was really a space where everyone wished to be seen and instead of hiding and conforming and complying to the social norms they could express their truest selves and it was photographers like Sibylle Bergemann and Sven Markwart who would photograph and document these various fashion performances. They, like many others, had connections to the fashion industry and specifically to Sibylle Magazine, which was the GDR's most prominent high end fashion magazine. And it goes out with say it goes without saying that their influence really trickled up into the main high and mainstream elements of fashion in East Germany. Now let's look at some of the movements, some of the major movements, specifically some, some of the major tastemakers and image creators of this entire scene. So we had Sven Machvat. A little about Sven. He started his career as a technical assistant for the Zabille photographer Rudolf Schaefer, and in 1984 joined the magazine shooting editorials, features and whatnot. Since then he had been a part uh, a thriving, a part of the thriving punk and under, underground fashion scene in Prenzlauer and it was really his visual language was East Berlin. But unlike his surroundings, he was interested in the theatrics of it all and in stage sets. His photographs consisted of illusions that revealed a longing for personal freedom and self-fulfillment, which was consistently detached from the traditional East German social lifestyle. As he put it, quote, my photos were always staged. Also the portraits of my friends who also had fun, had some fun dressing and transforming themselves as I did. Zibylle Bergman, she was another one. She was very established at Sibylle and was known for her confident yet melancholy portraits. She came on to the magazine in 1971 and was really known for these honest, Portraits that really evoked a sense of sublime melancholy. And she's still regarded today as one of East Germany's most prominent photographers. Utemala, who joined Magazine the magazine as a photographer in 1978. She was also a part of this underground movement and, like Sven, was known for her highly creative staging and scenery which lended a beauty and a grandeur to the magazine she's actually still act she's actually still a made photographer today and has a really well-known agency called the Ostkreuz agentur and i can i can post that to the blog so you can google some of her really fascinating beautiful imagery Dorothea Melles. Now, she had been a fashion write, a journalist and editor at the magazine since 1961, and then only to leave in, in 1970 and to work at the VAB Exquisite. VAB Exquisite was the design house sort of factory that designed a lot of the clothing for the GDR's, one of the GDR's only luxury stores, Exquisite. And it was her husband, Roger Mellis, who was also a big part of the scene, shot a lot of the photography for these CCD and other creative collective events of the underground. And he was also known, he's also really well known as a photographer today, especially for these like really cool grainy photographs that he, that he creates. Now, for more reading on this, I would recommend the book In Grenzenfrei, Modefotografie Underground, DDR, 1979-1989, or translated to English, Freedom Within Borders, Fashion Photography in the Underground, 1979-1989. to This is available on Amazon Germany for about 148 Euro. I got my copy 15 years ago, and it was 40 Euro, but... Um, I think with, with time and, and also with costs and shipping, it, it increased. And it's also like a, a really beautiful book, I think. If you love photography, if you love grainy, if you love sort of grit and anything that's slightly punk or off-kilter, this is definitely up your alley. And all of it is in German. Um, but if you read German, it's a pleasure. If not, you can try to Google Translate a lot of the texts from the curators and whatnot. Now, if you're looking for more information on East German fashion underground, I would definitely check out Ein Traum in Erdbeerfolie, or A Dream in Strawberry Foil, Comrade Couture. This was directed by former model Marco Wilms, and it features interviews with Sabine von Oettingen, stylist Frank Schäfer, and others from the CCD and other collectives. And you can actually see the live fashion shows. Now, on the post for this, and what I'll post to the, to the blog, are going to be stills of it, but you can see the actual shows in their progression, in their creation, and in their progression, and how it all sort of comes together uh, in the documentary. It's going to be hard to try to find this. I'm still looking for a copy, which I lost my original copy when I moved back to the States, Um, but you can definitely find it in Germany, and if not, I would would try some. I would try WorldCat to see if they have a copy of this great documentary. Now, I'd like to end this episode with a quote from the curator of In Grenzen Frei*, Henrik Gölke. And he said that, and I think it's really beautiful and it's something to reflect on for the night. Quote, if one follows the rumor that every action that is committed and every word that is spoken is political, then it is affected in the life of the GDR in a very particular way. If this notion is to be the fact, then one has to disregard the majority of those who no longer acted because they worked, no longer spoke because they were silent, end quote. And that's it for today. I know this is a rather short episode, but thank you again for tuning in. And for more information and additional content on anything and everything about fashion in the German Democratic Republic, please feel free to follow me at The Artificial Silk Femme. Danke and good night.